Hey, this is Emma Kate Lidberry with Triathlete Magazine. In this episode, we interview Marinda Carfrey, three-time Ironman world champion. This conversation was a Facebook Live, so you'll hear me asking her questions from our live audience. We discuss how she's coping with quarantine and adjusting her training, her thoughts on running a standalone marathon, how to bounce back from a DNF, as well as her favorite Kona victory. Be sure to check out Triathlete's Facebook page for more live shows in the future. Okay, here's our show with Rinny. Hello, and welcome to Triathlete Live here in Boulder, Colorado. My name is Emma Kate Lidbury, and we are joined today by three-time Ironman, Ironman world champion, Marinda Carfrey. Rinny, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. No worries. <laughs> you just got in from a ride. Is that right? Yeah, you can still see the marks on my forehead from <laughs> from tucking in. Uh, it's a little windy out there today. Well, actually, it wasn't too bad. It's a pretty nice day, to be honest. Cool, cool, cool. So for those of you uh, wondering, we are in Boulder, but both of us are in Boulder. We're both uh, streaming remotely. Uh, we're both from working from home as uh, Boulder, like most of the world, is uh, Boulder, like most of the world, is uh, under a stay-at-home order um, due to the coronavirus global pandemic. So um, I know there's we've had a ton of questions already come in via social media, Rini, but. Um, I'm sure like a lot of and a lot of people have already been asking how uh, how you're adapting and how you're coping. Um, so for those of you at home, um, we are going to be here for the next hour answering. Uh, Rini will be answering our questions live for the next hour. Um, we've already had a ton of questions committed, uh, come in via social, but um, please, if you're watching at home, then don't feel don't hesitate to uh, fire some questions over to us, and Rini will be answering them for the next hour or so. But uh, a lot of people have been asking Rini how you're. Uh, how you're doing with training at the moment and uh, what's changed and, and how you've adapted? Yeah, I mean, um, big, big changes uh, for us for training. I was uh, preparing for um, Texas 70.3, which would have been this weekend. And then um, my major focus was St. George Ironman at uh, the beginning of May, which also has been postponed. Uh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess two and a half weeks ago, I was out in the had a Saturday long ride, five hours, and we'd already spoken earlier in the week. Things hadn't been canceled, nothing been canceled yet, but early in the week we kind of like, well, what if things cancel? What do we do? And we, we sort of were like, well, we'll just carry on until we know what's going on. Um, and I think the night before we found out Texas was being canceled and it looked like a lot was going to be canceled. And I was rolling out with um, Didi and another friend of ours, Alex. Um, it was freezing cold. It was probably like 30 degrees and overcast. And I was in a terrible mood. I just didn't want to be out there. Um, and yeah, I think uh, a lot of people felt that same way. You kind of, um, as much as, you know, in the whole scheme of things, it's just triathlon. But when, you know, you've kind of spent the whole year um, sort of planning out how you're going to attack the season and you're excited and you're um, leading into a race, uh, there is going to be a little bit of... Um, disappointment and I think that's only natural and that's certainly what I was feeling on that freezing cold five-hour ride um just a little bit of disappointment to me to be honest and then uh, I kind of pushed through that weekend and then we found out um St George was indeed um cancelled and um actually after that I, I came down with a bit of a cold a bit of a um, sinus infection so that kind of put me out of training for uh, a week and a half anyway so yeah so how how are things with the 
how are things you you guys have an indoor pool right you have a you have a, a spa pool or yeah how's, it, how's swimming been <laughs> yeah well uh having the club shut down a couple of weeks ago and pretty much all the public pools closed um definitely is a challenge for any triathlete but as far as home setups go i think ours is uh pretty top notch we i signed a deal with uh, masters Fast, uh beginning of last year and my spa got delivered in january this year and it has been amazing to be able to get out and swim whenever we really wanted yeah the the Carfre O'Donnell Aquatic Centre is always open. So, uh, yeah, we're really lucky and blessed to be able to um, perform swimming. Um, but, yeah, we don't have a, a squad there with us and uh, it's a little bit different swimming in the spa. But, honestly, it's, it's you know, amazing to be able to just keep moving forward in the pool. Yeah. So are you swimming every day in, in that? Um, no, not at all. Uh, we oh. uh, definitely have taken a step back in training uh, and, you know, the last couple of weeks I was a little sick, so I wasn't doing a whole lot. And then this week, probably swimming every other day in there. And um, yeah, I mean, my training hours have gone from, you know, 25 hours down to probably 15 hours of training um, just because there is no race in the near future. We basically re reverted back to off-season mode. Um, you don't really want to be, you know, holding it up at 25 hours or above mm -hmm. uh, right now when there really aren't any races in the near future, probably not till July, August. Yeah, at, at best so uh, we're kind of uh, just maintaining a fitness um, kind of having some fun getting out on the gravel bike or the mountain bike and um, you know bringing the intensity down a little bit also um, my coach Julie wanted to make sure everybody was looking after their immune system so we didn't want to be <clears throat> training super hard and pushing ourselves super hard when there's a, um, a dangerous virus going around and make sure our immune systems are topped up and we're well rested yeah and so what so what does your training look like at the moment so you say you dropped it down what's what sort of uh what sort of training are you doing at the moment so um in the pool in the master spa i'm only swimming um i mean 30 minutes to 45 minutes um actually yesterday was my longest swim and i swam an hour in the master spa and that was all broken up and you know, you know five minutes for the paddles five minutes a little faster five you know five by one minute some um, some two minutes and and so forth uh, to keep it interesting. And then uh, on the bike, following a similar flat, uh, similar pattern to what we used to have where Tuesdays were um, maybe a couple of intervals on the bike, um, maybe not as hard as they were prior to the lockdown. Um, and then Wednesday, longer ride with some intervals, which is what I just came in from. And, um, you know, Saturday's probably only a three-hour ride instead of five-hour five and a half hour, which is what I was doing before and, and Sunday long run. Um, <clears throat> and the other days are kind of filled in with um, other different pieces, but yeah, probably just training, you know, a maximum of sort of uh, three and a half, four hours a day um, mm -hmm. on, a, on a longer day. So yeah, really, really have backed it off here. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of people have been asking, uh, obviously with races being cancelled and there's kind of obviously a lot of uncertainty about what's, you know, when, when uh, we'll all get to a race again. But um, a lot of people asking, uh, one question we've had was, how can I feel prepared or, and confident for my first Ironman if, if my 70.3 races leading up to it get cancelled? I, th I guess like, this person's thinking, you know, often, oftentimes you use a 70.3 to build into a, an Ironman. Uh, what would be your advice there? I mean, you certainly can um, simulate a 70.3 distance in training. Uh, you can, there are now Ironman has uh, brought out the, Ironman um, 
anywhere as possible. And I'm actually doing a virtual race this Saturday and it's a, you know, a 90k bike, uh, which will actually be recorded on Facebook, uh, watched with Ironman. <clears throat> but um, I think they'll have you cover a 5k run and also a 21k run. So there are opportunities to do that indoors um, and, you know, get a gauge for, for how, you, how you're doing. And I think I'm pretty sure they're offering different courses this weekend, courses, uh, the Boulder 70.3, um, and they'll have other courses set up on Ruby, which is the platform they're using um, <clears throat> that you can and go and do. But also you can just do it yourself, work with your coach and figure out, um, you know, what weekend or what day you want to do a, a big key session on. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's, you know, what we do leading into Ironman races. I know sort of eight weeks out from Ironman every year, I have a big key session where I have, you know, a longer ride with lots of intervals um, and then, you know, some uh, quality running off the bike. So there are some good sessions that you can do that simulate a 70.3 distance race that can prepare you very well for an Ironman. Um, yeah, I mean... It is what it is. None of your competitors are, I mean, obviously not everyone's preparing for their first Ironman distance race. Um, and if you are that nervous about it, you can always, you know, if it's possible, postpone it till next year. Um, if you really want to have the confidence of going and doing a 70.3 and having that under your belt before you actually tackle an Ironman, I would suggest um, waiting a year um, and, and sticking to that plan. Uh, but if you are flexible um, and you do feel confident that you can get um, the work in, in at home um, on the home trainer or, or around your house if you're allowed to ride outside, then, you know, work with your coach and figure out a weekend where you simulate um, a 70.3 distance race um, and, and see how that goes and see if that gives you the confidence to then step up to the yeah. Ironman if and when that race does happen. Um, so what's the best advice you've ever been given for competing in an Ironman, for any Ironman race? I think um, the best advice, that's kind of a good question. Um, I think my approach or what I learnt leading into my first Ironman race was to prepare well and make sure you um, respect the distance. I think, um, you know, there are some people and maybe each their own, but um, that just run it, you know, plan an Ironman event and don't really put the training in. And then I, I feel that maybe that experience isn't as good as it could be. Um, I knew I wanted to do an Ironman back in sort of 2003, 2004. I didn't do my first one until 2009 because I wanted to be competitive and I wanted to be able to race the distance. I didn't want to survive the race. And so um, I spent many years racing 70.3 distance races um, and even three quarter distance races to really, um, know how to race the distance and pace properly um, before I actually stepped up to the Ironman distance. So, um, you know, I, in my opinion, it's preparation um, and planning out that first Ironman mm -hmm. properly and not just sort of, you know, unless you want to just get in there and have a, have a good time and go, go through the distance and um, tick that box. Um, for me, I wanted to be competitive. So I wanted to make sure I um, was slow in my approach and methodical. Yeah, so you, you just mentioned earlier that um, Julie Dibbins is your coach. Obviously, you've been coached by Siri for many years, and uh, obviously Siri's been going through a very tough time um, the past few months, and we're glad to see that she's back home and seems to be recovering. Um, but tell us a little bit about uh, working with, with Julie and uh, how that is. And the, the Julie Dibbins, JD crew, the Julie Dibbins crew is based here in Boulder, and um, she's, got a great, she's got a great cast of athletes uh, in the squad. 
so yeah, tell us a bit about working with Julie. I know you guys are good friends too. And um, yeah, expand on that. Yeah, so um, Julie and I uh, started working together at the end of last year. And um, <clears throat> it was kind of an easy move, um, you know, knowing that I was moving from from Siri, from a, a coaching relationship that I've been in for over a decade. Um, knowing Julie and being friends with Julie for probably a decade as well um, made me confident that she would um, be able to, we, we would be able to figure out um, uh, my training plan pretty quickly. Uh, I think the most important thing when it comes to coach athlete relationships is the relationship itself, mm-hmm. uh, the actual programming and, Yes, there are um, certainly different philosophies out there, but we're all just swimming, biking and running. And um, knowing the coach, having trust in your coach, um, I think is huge um, or the most important thing when it comes to um, triathlon. So I've actually uh, really enjoyed um, working with Julie. It's um, compared to series program, it's a very different program. I I say it's death by a thousand cuts. um, (laughs) And that that I feel like there's something hard nearly every day, um, but it's always manageable. um, And... Whereas I was kind of used to a program where um, it would be a massive training session, a really hard day, um, and then the next couple of days would be sort of recovery or a massive big run session, um, 10 miles of quality running, and then sort of a couple of easier days to recover, um, aerobic days. Whereas with Julie, it's kind of like just a little taste of <laughs> of pain every day almost. Um, <laughs> And yeah, I mean, I've really been, I've really been enjoying the change. Uh, obviously my husband also works with Julie Divins and um, he's been racing phenomenally well over the past couple of years under her guidance. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've enjoyed um, having a squad again uh, with series group. We didn't really have much of a squad the last couple of years as she was sort of phasing out of triathlon. And um, yeah, it's, it's been a really uh, refreshing change. I mean, it's also that nothing bad about um, series program and, and that program because obviously I had amazing success over the years and mm-hmm. um, but I've really enjoyed the, uh, the change and um, I was kind of really looking forward to seeing how I would race under a new program but um, mm-hmm. that will be postponed for a little bit now. Yeah well it'll, it'll come in a few months I'm sure you'll be able to see that for sure and who's your favorite character on the JD crew who's, the, who's your uh, is that an unfair question at this stage? Ah, <laughs> uh, my favorite character at the moment. Um, well, Joe Gamble's also is just new to the JD crew, um, and Joe has also been a well, kind of we've all been friends for a long time. Julie, myself, Joe, Tim, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it's kind of nice to have him. Uh, he sort of, when I came back from Australia, he was quite out of shape, <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, it was kind of fun to to train with him. He always has a lot to say and. Uh, kind of a lot of complaining in the in the past um, couple of couple of weeks um, since you know I got back and we were all training together. So um, yeah, I think he'd been my favourite character for the preseason. I think it'd be different once we get all get rolling. Right, right. Um, a question just come in from Facebook from Luciano who says, "What's the hardest part you find these days? Maintaining good mental health or staying in good shape?" Um, I think. Good mental health has not really ever been much of a problem for for me. I I really enjoy this life. I, you know, live it and breathe it, um, given that both my husband and I race professionally. Uh, And we, I think we have good mental health because we make sure we plan out our season to include breaks and times away from the sport. And I 
think our approach to triathlon has um, given us such a long career and mm-hmm. that, you know, we definitely take downtime. We definitely get out of shape in the off season and um, sort of step away from the sport. And um, I think that's really um, helped our, our mental state when we do, when it does count, when we do need to be switched on in, in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think the harder thing, you know, as we get older is just staying in shape and staying on top of um, the body. Um, it's, it gets a little harder to um, keep everything healthy. Mm-hmm. So um, for us, it's been, you know, more about more massage, um, more body work, more strength training with um, our coach, EC Fit, Aaron Carson. And um, yeah, probably the, the the training is the hardest to keep up right now. Mm-hmm. So um, I had another question come in from Kimmy on Facebook. Um, she's a, she says, as a fellow mum, what's it like to get back to full training volume postpartum? So just to explain, uh, for those of you uh, at home, Izzy is two and a half, your daughter. Yep. Yep. So yeah, so you've had you've had two and a half years since um, since pregnancy. But so tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, initially, uh, I feel like right now, um, I've I feel my best uh, since having Izzy. I think the first the first year was pretty rough. Um, just getting um, the training done was tough because I was um, breastfeeding exclusively with her and um, and actually only weaned her off a couple of months ago. I think that's maybe why I'm feeling pretty good. Wow. Um, and, you know, and um, just being here for him and, and trying to get out and train when you have a constant pull to be home and be with your, you know, your little one. Um, that was the toughest for me, uh, just mentally and emotionally dealing with, you know, getting back to work and, um, and wanting and knowing she sort of, you know, wanted me to be around and um, sort of trying to juggle that um, so that, you know, I was happy and she was happy. And we could sort of found a balance sort of probably after the first year, I would say a pretty good balance with, um, you know, she kind of understood a little more that I was going to work and, um, and I was always coming back. <laughs> Whereas when they were really little, it's just sad. It's kind of heartbreaking when they're just crying and you, you, you want to be there to console them, but you need to get out and get your work done. Um, but yeah, phys- physically, I think um, after the first year, I started to uh, feel like um, my running was coming better, but I feel it was after 18 months before I felt that I was running the way I was running pre-Izzy. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it for me, it took about 18 months to get that snap back in my stride um, and, and in my step. Um, and certainly two and a half years on, I feel completely normal um, now, although I'm two and a half years older. Um, but yeah, I mean, the emotional side for me was harder um, than anything, just uh, having to go out and ride my bike and I would we'd, you know, miss her if I was out for more than a couple of hours. So um, yeah, just, just the, you know, making that adjustment and, um, you know, knowing that, I mean, I have it better than many other working mums who, um, you know, are home for, you know, six or eight months and sometimes eight weeks, um, especially here in the US, um, and then they have to go back to work full time. And I, you know, I don't know how they do it because, you know, I'm in and out all day and I get to see her um, between sessions and I take a lot of naps with her um, during the day. So I do get plenty of busy time um, and she gets plenty of mummy time. So I feel pretty lucky with that set up. That's very cool. That's very cool. So, uh, as you're aware, and, and anybody who follows us on our triathlete magazine on Instagram, we did a, an Insta stories poll, uh, over the weekend. 
And one of the questions, so talking about Izzy, one of the questions we asked, uh, we asked uh, some of our, our followers to uh, answer three questions about Rini, a little bit of Rini trivia. Uh, one of those questions was, who does Izzy think is faster, mum or dad? Um, and we, <laughs> we got the results here. So 78% of the people that answered this poll said they thought you were, that she, she would say you were the fastest. And us 22, 22% thought dad. But Rinna's, Rinna's actual answer was, or Izzy's actual answer was? She just said me. Yeah, uh, Izzy thinks. Asked, Izzy thinks she's the fastest. Um, <laughs> so I, I asked her twice. I said, Izzy, who's faster, mummy or daddy? And she said, me. No, I'm like, no, 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 mummy or daddy, who's faster? Me. No, I'm faster. <laughs> so, so that was her answer to that question. And she, she calls you mum, not mom? Uh, mum, yeah. Yeah. Mama, yeah, mummy. Ah, oh, cute. Okay, we've got another question from, coming in from Facebook, from Maddie. Uh, what's your favourite current bike session? Which I guess that could be different right now based on circumstances. But, um, yeah, what's your current favourite bike session? I'm sure with Dibs as your coach, you've got a few of those. <laughs> uh, they're always so complicated. I don't even remember half the time what we're, what we're doing. Um, yeah, my favourite bike session... I'm actually starting to really enjoy the bike. I used to always hate it and really would have a better answer with, you know, my favorite run sessions because I really just love getting out there and running. But um, on the bike, I really uh, love the, um, like the 70.3 effort stuff. So like three or four minutes at um, like pretty solid pace, 70.3 pace. Um, and then uh, Julie likes to hold you at that pace and then the last 30 seconds go max um which is really painful but <laughs> quite satisfying so you'll hold your 70.3 pace and then kind of just increase the pace um for 30 seconds at the end to really crush your legs and then have a couple of minutes rest and and repeat that you know eight to 12 times so that's cool. probably one of my favorites yeah, it's yeah that sounds but um it's satisfying when you when you nail it mm -hmm. Another question from Facebook just come in. Uh, do you actually run a marathon prior to doing a full Ironman? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, I, my first marathon was in my first um, Ironman. So I've actually never run a marathon standalone outside of the triathlon in training or um, in a race. Uh, and I, I do not believe in running full distance marathon before the event. I don't think it's necessary. Um, I think it, it beats your body up a little bit too much. So um, the most I would run in training would be probably 30, maybe up to 35K, probably more like 32K these days uh, in a training session. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes I would go back and run another th uh, another 30 minutes in the afternoon. So up to 40K in a day, but mm -hmm. over two sessions. Yeah. Another question that's just come in, how fast do you think you could do a standalone marathon? <laughs> so your PR off the bike it, uh, in an Ironman two fifty, right? Yeah, well, just I just squeaked under. I did two forty nine in, oh, in Austria. Yeah, and my I, bad. I, yeah, I, I hear that course was the bike course is not accurate, but the run apparently is not accurate. So I'm going to take that one. Um, uh, so it's just squeaked under two two fifty in um in a race, but um, I don't know. I I would love to see myself. Um, how fast I could go. Uh, I think that will have to wait until I'm retired. Uh, by then I might be too old to go fast. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to know, but um, I, I couldn't 
um, in good conscience, put in the effort, you know, to do a proper, if I, if I was to do it, I'd want to do it properly. And so then I'd want to train for it and I want to um, um, not cycle or, and swim and just focus on running for a few months leading in. And I just don't have the time for that um, when, you know, triathlon is my major priority and um, I do enjoy racing. So um, while I still love racing triathlon, I'll continue to do that. And, and someday in the distant future, maybe we'll see how fast I can go in a marathon. Very cool. Okay. Uh, one of the questions that we had in from social was, uh, what does it feel like to cross the finish line and break the tape in Kona? That is <clears throat> the million dollar question. That, um, that experience is um, something that's really tough to put into words. Uh, when you <clears throat> dream about and think about something um, for so long and then to have it actually come to fruition and to to experience that, um, it's kind of an out-of-body experience. Um, running down a lead drive, you mean you, you can kind of imagine it if you watch those athletes that are winning the race run down a lead drive. The excitement, the relief, the elation um, on their face as they um, run through those crowds and, and grab that tape. Uh, it's it's not one that I really can put into words. I haven't been able to figure out how to explain that completely yeah and another Kona related question what was your guilty pleasure post your Kona wins so you won Kona 2010 2013 2014 right yeah what's your guilty pleasures after those races so right after the race or like later both (laughs) I don't think you can have a guilty pleasure right after the race you deserve (laughs) it all um if you win if you'd win that race Hey, I mean, nothing's off the table. I mean, my, my typical go-to is probably a, a salty margarita and um, chips and a burger. That's my general um, uh, ammo. Once you get through drug testing, because wait, you finish the race and you do well, you're probably going to medical because you've crushed yourself, which is where I normally end up for a good hour after the race. And then you're going to drug testing until you can produce a sample, which usually takes a while as well. Um, so you're so dehydrated. So by the time that's all happened, it's time for the post-race press conference. And then you can go and enjoy a burger or something. And by that time, it's like 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. at night. And um, yeah, that's sort of, we, we always end up, um, you know, by the finish line at uh, a bar, drinking a margarita and having a, uh, uh, a, a big burger and, and some fries. And that's kind of my immediate after. But generally, we... Um, uh, plan a big holiday, uh, mm-hmm. you know, somewhere probably expensive. <laughs> so immediately after the race, potentially to the Hualalai, um Four Seasons, which is not cheap, but is amazing. One of the most beautiful um, grounds, I think, um, and places to relax after the Ironman. And then um, Tim and I usually plan a holiday sometime after that. We've been to the Palmas, we've been to um, Grand Cayman, um, but we, we really try and do it up um, after the season's all over and, and we can really relax. That actually ties in nicely to a question we just had from Facebook. Carlos wants to know, what will be your favorite place or thing to do when all of this is over, when lockdown is over and life returns to uh, relative normality? Um, what, are, what are places that you're missing or things that you would like to do first? Uh, I, I don't think... To be completely honest, life in lockdown for a triathlete, a professional triathlete, is not that different to life 
I mean, the only difference for us is that like the odd dinner or social event <laughs> to go out with some friends. Um, but that doesn't happen that often when we're in hard training. And certainly, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was in uh, pretty serious training. And so, you know, this lockdown feels pretty normal to me. Um, having said that, I think, um, you know, for, for us, it's just hanging out with, with friends, going out to dinner, um, you know, being a little bit social. Uh, and in the longer term, um, you know, if this goes on for a while, certainly getting down to Australia to see my family again, mm -hmm. um, you know, I yeah. make sure I go down there once, once a year and, um, see everyone in Oz and it's kind of scary to think that, you know, their borders are locked down for at least, well, it sounds like it might be as long as six months. So no one in, no one out sort of thing. Um, and yeah, kind of, I was out on my ride today realizing that like, I, if I wanted to go see my mom, like. I just couldn't get on a plane and go and do that right now, which is kind of not that I would right now. Usually we don't go till like February. So hopefully by yeah. then all is good, but it's just weird to think that, no, you actually can't go. I probably yeah. wouldn't be able to come back and um, yeah, our lives here. So yeah, it's not something we've ever experienced in, in our lifetime or yeah. yeah. Uh, so for everybody at home, remember that we are here for an hour. So we're about halfway through the show and uh, feel free to keep submitting questions, uh, Rin is here and chatting away. She's, she's got a post-workout smoothie there, I think. <laughs> so she, yeah, Phil, don't be shy. She's here to answer your questions. And she is obviously a great resource on all things training, racing, nutrition, everything. Uh, so yeah, keep, keep them coming, folks. So another question we've had from Amanda via Facebook. She wants to know, how do you manage anxiety in uncertain times? I think... Um as a professional athlete, you have a lot of anxiety through your career in, um, in terms of just getting prepared for races. So, um, I mean, I feel like there might be some people out there who are experiencing anxiety in times like this when there's so much uncertainty, you don't know. I mean, people don't know when their next paychecks are coming. People are fighting for their lives um, and dying. And it's a scary time. And um, certainly that can bring on a lot of anxiety for people. Um, I always, uh, when I'm really anxious and really in it, um, one of the things I do is just find a quiet place, um, and breathe, um, just focus on my breathing, um, and try to calm myself down and focus on the things that you can control. Uh, mm -hmm. right now, obviously there's a lot that we cannot control. Um, but I think when you look at all the things that you can control and things you can do, um, you feel more empowered. And that can um, alleviate some of that anxiety, um, you know, in terms of getting ready for races um, and having anxious times. Um, it's sort of the same thing. I always go back to familiarity. So for me, getting ready for a race, I, I always do the same things in the days leading up to the race. I eat the same things. I do the same sessions, um, even down to like the morning of the race, I'll do five by 30 second strides. Um, you know, that's just my little way of, controlling what I can control mm -hmm. and um, that sort of um, gives you a little bit of a sense of um, just being a bit more in control so yeah that's kind of the only advice I have on 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 that um, that and also just being grateful for the things you have that's another thing that I always also um, try to focus on mm -hmm. um, focus on your health uh, focus on um, the things that you love in your life. Um, and I think that doing that also 
um, brings a sense of calm to, to your being. Oh, so you know you just took a sip of your post-workout smoothie. People are asking what's in that. <laughs> Mostly ice cream. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm all about the calories um, after training. Um, sort of try to eat, get my shake in 30 minutes after I finish working out. And, um, yeah, for us, we have ice cream. I use the goo recovery mix. Um, I saw a scoop of that. And then I today I use the... Um, oat milk so um it tastes pretty good hmm. so sometimes cool. almond milk but um oat milk or plain milk but today i use the, the oat milk i really like it so. okay we're getting we're getting some fun questions coming in now jennifer asks what are some key tips for dating another triathlete especially with different training regimens and strengths you know what um i think if you're dating another triathlete you're probably gonna be it's gonna be way easier than dating anyone in the real world <laughs> Just because um, you both understand, you know, what you're, you know, you're on the same page, uh, probably both going to be out training all weekend. Um, and I think knowing that you're both on the same page is big. Mm -hmm. uh, but in terms of actually, you know, training together, Tim and I um, try to link up on some, some sessions and certainly the easier, more uh, casual sessions. We'll go out and ride together. We'll go run together. And obviously we go to the pool together a lot. <clears throat> I do not swim in his lane. <laughs> <laughs> not many people do. Three lanes down, yeah. Well, for two reasons, because he's like a freaking windmill um, over there and because he's quite fast. Um, but yeah, we, we plan to try and do our easier sessions together. Um, and generally our week uh, rhythm is very similar. So, you know, the long ride Saturday, the long run Sunday, um, so that we can have Sunday afternoons. Sunday's our sort of Sunday, Sunday family day. So we mm -hmm. sort of get up and do our run in the morning and then spend the rest of the day together. Monday's an easier day too. So that's sort of a family day as well. Um, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, there's a Friday, Saturday um, are all pretty solid days. And um, we kind of go our own way when we have quality. So even if we might start out a ride together, if we do go out um, and then he'll, you know, start doing his intervals or I'll start doing mine and we kind of just go our separate ways. But um, yeah, I feel like you have a leg up on many people if you're in a relationship with another triathlete. Yeah, definitely a lot more understanding than maybe a, a non-triathlete. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so another question, will you be doing St. George still in September? So that's a race that's been pushed back to one of the many races that's been pushed back to the, to the end of the year. Uh, will you still be planning to do St. George in September? I highly doubt it. Um, September is very close to October. Um, and, you know, the one major race, the reason I was doing St. George was to qualify for Kona. And the reason I was doing it in May was to get qualified early so that I could right. properly prepare for Kona. So, um, yeah, I don't think that would be on the cards for me. Uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen with qualification now because I am not qualified. I don't have my ticket. Um, and I don't know how they're going to figure out how to give uh, out the professionals and the age groupers. I think they're still trying to work that out now. So once we find that out, um, yeah, I mean, if, if races start going off in July, I'd probably look at the first Ironman available and, and race that one. Um, yeah. But as, as we push closer to Kona, I don't see any point in racing in September and then trying to do Kona. I, I, I just don't see the point in it. So uh yeah i mean i think it's really up in the air right now for me but uh, not likely on st george yeah 
And what have you, what, what do you know, what do you know the pro athletes know about uh, kind of qualification and validating at this point? Nothing yet. Um, I think um, Ironman is right now trying to figure out uh, how to, to do that. Um, mm-hmm. We haven't had any communication just yet, but I know that, um, you know, races are being postponed to July, August. And so there still is that qualifying window um, if the races do go off then, but if it gets pushed back much further, I mean, and who knows, maybe we won't even get to race Kona this year. Right. Um, There's so, a possibility at, at this stage. Yeah, I know, uh, there really is. So yeah, just trying to, I, I, I think it's too early to really have a plan. Mm-hmm. kind of just kind of keeping active and keeping um off season fit um so when we do know that a race is going to happen we can um switch gears and, and start training properly and then hopefully there'll be enough time to to race an ironman and then prepare for kona but if not then yeah it might be 2021 that we just start focusing on so you really have done that kind of mindset shift of like this is the off season now this is like an extended off season yeah, it, you really, I mean, I believe you have to. I don't think that you can train at that high level uh, without any, I don't think it's smart. That's my, my opinion in this time. We don't know when the next race will be. Maybe, maybe it's not till September, October, um, mm-hmm. and it's only March. And to train super hard right now, I feel like you get to the money end of the season, July, August, when you really need to be putting your head down and training hard and you might run out of steam. I know, I mean, if you're a younger athlete, maybe you could push through all year, but I know myself, I can't push through all year and um, more mentally than anything. Uh, And I think through my whole career, I have done well because I've um, taken time off when, you know, when that was necessary and focused pretty hard at training Mm -hmm. um, when that was, um, it was time to focus on that. So, um, that's my opinion. Other athletes may have a different take, but that's of how course. we're approaching it. And what are your thoughts on what the qualification process could and should look like at this stage for Kona? I, I mean, I, I'd love to um, have the Ironman and PTO work on a um, qualifying uh, system. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe the top 10 or 20 from Kona last year should just auto-qualify and then potentially look at the PTO world rankings. There is mm-hmm. a ranking system in place uh, yep. right now that um, Ironman could, um, could look at. And I mean, I don't think it's out of the question. So I think um, that would be the smartest choice, not trying to have all the pros qualify in August right yep. before. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I don't, I don't think they know just because we don't know when we're going to get to race. So, um, but I think that would be a really good contingency plan. Yeah, yeah, that, that would be very smart, yeah. So we're getting a lot of uh, food and diet questions and people asking what your diet's like leading up to an Ironman. Um, do you stay away from anything? Um, and what about vegan or plant-based diet? Um, I haven't, in terms of vegan or plant-based, I've never tried um, a vegan or plant-based diet. I've always um, eaten a pretty balanced diet, including um, animal products. And leading into Kona, uh, we have sort of, well, I've had in the past a rule where we get eight weeks out and we don't get to drink any more wine. So, or, so the two things I cut are wine and ice cream. And that typically um, just helps me drop a pound or two. But more than that, it just um, helps me get into the right mindset that, okay, it's the business end of the season um, and it's time to really knuckle down. And um, that's, 
that's been loosened off the last few years uh, <laughs> because Tim, Tim believes that it doesn't work for him. <laughs> and so, so that sort of got shortened to about five week window, but um, even, you know, he, he still enjoys a glass of wine every, every um, so often. So um, yeah, that rule has been bent a little bit, but um, <laughs> so that was my rule of thumb, thumb from, thumb for many years no ice cream no wine but after I had Izzy I was already at race weight like because I was breastfeeding so I'm like well I don't need to get any lighter and <laughs> um and training's going well so why do I need to limit anything so um yeah but prior to Izzy that was my my little that's your protocol yeah uh Jennifer on Facebook asks for someone that DNF their last Ironman in 2017 what's some advice for attacking it again this year well, first of all, I hope you get to race. Um, yeah, that's probably the first first part of the question, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think no matter what, when you line up at that next Ironman, you have to finish, no matter what. Unless you're taken off the course in an ambulance, you need to finish that race. Um, coming off a DNF, I find that if you have a DNF ever, it seems much easier to quit in the future. So I'm, you see many athletes, they'll, they'll have a string of DNFs and it just becomes easier and easier and easier to pull the plug because you've done it before and whatever, I'm, just, I'm not good enough. I'm just not going to do this today. And you need to put a, a stop to that immediately. Mm -hmm. and so if you do have a DNF, um, your, one, your number one goal for your next Ironman is to finish that race no matter what. Um, everything else comes secondary. So obviously, you know, preparation, um, planning, which is really hard right now because we don't know when our races are going to be. Yep. Um, but once we do know, then you need to um, plan out your training, obviously the way you normally would, um, but just always visualize finishing that race, getting to that finish line. I think um, having that knowing that no matter what, I'm going to finish this damn race. Yep. Um, I think that's probably the main thing you need to take into your next Ironman training and everything can come secondary. So talking about finish lines. So one of the other questions we asked on our Insta poll uh, over the last weekend on the Insta stories poll was, which is Rennie, Rennie's favorite Kona victory? Uh, and so this, as we said before, 20, you won Kona in 2010, you won in 2013, you won in 2014. Uh, now, it was, this is quite interesting. So I don't, you could maybe talk a little bit around this, but the results showed that 24% of people thought that 2010 would be your first, your favorite victory. 27% uh, of people thought 2013 and 49% of people thought that your 2014 victory would be your favorite. And you actually told, you told us that your favorite victory was 2013, right? Yep. So tell us a bit about why and tell us why you think people might think that your 2014 victory, most people, half of, half of people polled thought that 2014 would, would be your favorite. So give us a little bit about, uh, about, about that. Expand on that for us. Yeah, I think, um, Whenever anyone talks about, you know, you know my, the world titles that I've won, everyone dwells on 2014 because I was 14 plus minutes down on Daniela right. and, and um, had a really good run and um, was able to win that race. But when I think back um, on that race in particular, yeah, probably mentally that was my strongest performance mm -hmm. um, because I was so far down and I uh, was able to keep my head and uh, – you know, keep my composure and um, put together actually my fastest marathon in Kona uh, to take that victory. Uh, so yeah, that was a special win. Um, 
But 2030, I think, was my greatest performance in that I, I'd done, you know, I mean, my, my lead into 2014 was, was very good. My lead into 2013 was almost flawless. And on that day, I, I was just so strong. I was so strong in the swim. Um, I, my power on the bike was the best I ever held for, um, for an Ironman distance. And then I ran just a couple of, probably 10 seconds slower than what I did um, the next year. And I think it was a little bit of a warmer year. So that was a better performance overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that made it special was um, Tim finished fifth in the pro men's race. And we were getting married like two months later. So he was at the finish line waiting for me. And um, yeah, I mean, that was just a really special to have everything come together um, and to feel that strong all day long. And then cross the finish line and husband be there. He didn't have a great day too. And know that, you know, we're just getting ready to get married in a couple of months. That was just our, my most cherished uh, finish and finish line experience. Um, but as, yeah, as I mentioned, 2014 was mentally a tougher day for me. I mm-hmm. didn't have a very good ride. Um, and I was actually a little embarrassed getting off the bike that far down from Daniela. Um, and I think I was eighth off the bike as well. So, yeah, that was a mixed bag. I mean, disappointed with how I biked, but I looked after myself while on the bike and biked solid enough so that I could still run, like you know, a, a good uh, marathon off the bike. So. I paced it well, but um, yeah, I think still the performance the year before was better. Yep. Okay, uh, we have about 10 minutes left. So people, if you've got any more questions to ask Renita and don't be shy, let us know. Uh, what's the funniest thing that's happened to you during the race? I, I never remember stuff like this on, on the spot. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's lots of, uh, over 20 years almost. Yeah, 20 years of, racing triathlons I'm sure there's been lots of really funny things that have happened but I can never think of them on the spot so that's something that <laughs> I'll have to have we'll come back to that one so you, you played basketball before you you're a basketball player right before you got into triathlon is that right yes that's correct oh hey well that was uh was that high school college or yeah so I played uh, through high school and um we didn't college basketball is not really a thing in Australia you play sort of club outside of um of schooling and I was playing at you know the kind of the highest level in Queensland which is where I'm from that you could play and but I was sitting on the bench a lot like I was in I was in the good team that won the nationals but I was sitting on the bench the open women open women's team so um yeah at 5-3 I got overlooked a fair amount you can, <laughs> literally <laughs> um, do you still shoot hoops now um, usually in the off season we do. And actually we have, um, pop a shot in our basement, the game that you see at arcades. Um, we bought that when we bought this house. And so, yeah, we, sh- we shoot hoops in our basement. That's not really regulation size or anything, but, um, it's good fun. And then the off season, I play a little bit with Tim, but he's very dangerous because he's extremely competitive and not very coordinated. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a dangerous combo. It is extremely dangerous to play with him. He's actually, uh, pretty, he's pretty good, but he's, yeah, he's all arms. He's out of, out of control. You'll get a black eye if you play with him. Well, that leads quite nicely into our next question then, which is, have you ever been afraid of injuring yourself and not being able to race again? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think that crosses your mind and um, certainly living here in Colorado, you know, there is a ski season and um, 
we typically once a year will go downhill and I did not grow up skiing, obviously. <clears throat> Living in Brisbane, Australia, there is no snow. <laughs> <coughs> but um yeah we usually go downhill once a year and and i'm always very cautious and i we get to the last run of the day and i'm like oh thank god we're gonna, we're gonna be fine um for both myself and tim so um yeah i mean there's times like that but honestly in terms of just um you know through training and and racing and i actually haven't had any um serious injuries i've had little niggles but nothing that's really taken me away from training for more than a couple of days mm-hmm. um and so yeah that has kind of been i think one of my little strengths um my resistance to injury um being able to be consistent over the past 20 years of, of training and only really having time off when scheduled or through when i had izzy's uh, when i was pregnant so um yeah i think i've been pretty lucky and yeah there are very few professional triathletes who race as long as you've been racing without having some kind of injury or time, yeah, time down. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. And the last, the last question we asked, uh, in the Instagram poll was, uh, what's Rini's favorite race distance? And we asked people to choose between 70.3 or 100, uh, one, I'm a 140.6. Uh, so your answer was, what was your answer, Rini? 70.3. And interestingly, 38%, 38% of people said 70.3, 62% said Ironman. So I guess everybody thinks that you, uh, you prefer racing Ironman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's probably the natural um, uh, answer because I've had more success, uh, more success on the biggest stage in Ironman. But it's a long damn way. <laughs> yeah. I, love, I love racing. And, um, and so, you know, you can race way more 70.3 distance races in a year. And in fact, if the other option was sprint, I would have picked sprint because uh, <laughs> I love racing short, fast races. I'm just not as fast as I, I would have liked to have been. So, um, yeah, I ended up being an Ironman athlete. And, um, and don't get me wrong, I do enjoy uh, full distance Ironman, but uh, I enjoy shorter races a little more. Right. Now, people are all also asking about uh, tips for swim training without a pool. I mean, obviously, you have access to your um, to your pool, but what what would be your go to tips for people? You know, people who don't have access any access to a pool right now, um, and obviously, trying to stay in some kind of in some some kind of shape for when races kick up again, kick, kick off again. Uh, so, what any tips for people who don't have access to a pool? Yeah, I think a um, uh, good friend of mine and probably one of the fastest women in or even she swims just as fast as my husband Lauren Branded mm. posted a little video on how to um properly use swim cords and you know I would follow her plan she basically gets out the swim cords three or four times a week uh and sort of for five to ten minutes um no more than that and you know it's really just at keeping those um muscles activated the lats triceps um, and the swimming, big swimming muscles activated and um, engaged so you don't uh, lose too much strength. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of all I would do, really. Uh, I think now is a really good time to focus on other things. Um, you can um, focus on your technique on the run or the bike, uh, work on your positioning on the bike. Um, that's certainly what we're doing in our squad. And, and while I do have the swim spa here it's not a priority as i mentioned we're swimming mm-hmm. you know a few times a week three or four times a week i'm in there for 30 minutes 45 minutes maybe an hour session um but i'm not trying to put in 
um, big gains in the in the water right now. We'll wait until the pools reopen and then we'll, um, you know, get that get that back. And it won't take too long, probably you know three or four weeks, and you'll be back yep. to where you were prior to this lockdown. So I think the main thing is don't stress about it too much. Um, yep. Ten minutes, three times a week, um, and check out Lauren Brandon's Instagram because uh, she does a good little um, demo on how to um, properly use the swim cords. Perfect. Sounds like some good advice. Okay, yeah. Last, we've, we're just wrapping up now. So, last question. Um, somebody's asked: When times get tough and dark, what's your go-to focus? What's the go-to thing you tell yourself in a race? My my little motto or mantra. Um, which has been since I was playing basketball was if it is to be, it's up to me. And that little um, reminder is, is just to keep me focused and, and know that, okay, like no one is going to help. If you want something, you have to go and get it yourself. And um, yeah, I mean, when it gets deep and dark in a race, there are other things I tell myself sometimes, but um, yeah, I mean, just having that as my, the backbone of my everything I do um, just sets me up for a pretty good um, response when things get tough in a race uh, and they do uh, get tough in many races and in training sessions but mm -hmm. um, you know there's no way I'm going to give up it's just not a chance uh, and so you know I couldn't I couldn't uh, look myself in the mirror if I gave up in a race and um, and I'd rather just uh, push through and, and, and do my best on in the moment then um, deal with the emotional um, after if you know you gave up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> wise words. Okay, I think uh, that's all we got time for now. I think we've answered most of the, uh, most of the questions and um, the video, this video will be available on our website later and you can obviously watch it again on our Facebook page. But um, yeah, just thank you very much for your time today, Vinny. We appreciate you taking the time out and um, I hope that you, uh, you guys continue to train, stay safe and well, and um, you get out there on the race course, and, and uh, yeah. we see you out there soon. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Thank you so much, Emma. Okay. Yeah. See you, Renny. Thank you. Yeah. Bye.